Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. Tonight we are recapping the week's nerdy news from quitting your high-profile animation job to getting hired as Superman and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me as always, Mr. Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, on top of those two things, more people that don't currently have a job because they're, you know, sitting out on account of really shitty conditions. Yeah, yeah. A bit of a strike update for you. Strike watch still going on. We, um... Uh, no, uh, no change in the writer strike whatsoever. But uh, the Screen Actors Guild has until June thirtieth, which is this Friday, to reach a deal, or else they will also be on strike. Um, and I read conflicting things within the last twenty four hours. I read something saying I didn't even read the actual report. I just saw somebody retweeting something saying this report makes it seem like they are going to reach a deal, and this is why this is bad for you know writers and whatever. And then um, I also read, a, a, I think it was Jeff Snyder actually said something about how it's looking like he's he's hearing that um, SAG is not going to reach a deal and that they will be striking and that the writer strike at least is going to be going through October at the minimum. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, that's just like, you know, I think he described that as being in the wind. That's like what he's hearing out there. Not Nothing definite. But, um, you know, again, certainly, as uh, as we've said many times before, if the Screen Actors Guild does decide to go on strike, um, nothing's going to be happening. You and I are going to um, have to figure out something else to talk about <laughs> for a while. <laughs> There's not going to be a whole lot of announcements happening. Seriously. I think. Yeah. Um, but speaking of people working under terrible conditions, uh, this is a big bummer of a story for fans of a little movie called spider-man across the spider-verse um where you uh we're not gonna be giving out spoilers for this movie so if you haven't seen it you're good to go still but an article from vulture.com this week um had four animators describing that the uh the working conditions on spider-man across spider-verse were unsustainable and toxic apparently it was a uh, terrible working environment uh, these conditions compelled about 100 artists to quit the movie before it was done um, how, throughout how? that time. How? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a that, lot of the blame is falling on. That makes Marvel look like saints. Yeah, I know, dude. Yeah. A hundred people. How do you lose a hundred people throughout the process and think that, uh, I don't know. Uh, a lot of the blame in this article at least seemed to fall on producer Phil Lord's management style. Apparently, you know, animation takes a long time. There, there's, you know, storyboard art. There's pre-conceptualization, pre-visualization stages. There's stages without detail. You know, there's different levels of completion until you get all the way through, like, finalized work. Apparently... Um, uh, producer Phil Lord preferred to edit fully rendered completed work instead of working off of conceptual mock-ups or like 3D uh, visuals uh, early or early 3D visuals. So uh, he would inevitably 
ask for changes to be made for fully completed work. Um, this happened sometimes up to five times in the same scene. He would have animators start basically, you know, if you if you're handing someone a fully rendered piece of animation and they're saying change it, you have to start from absolute scratch in order to change that. Um, uh, making it much harder on these animators. He's conditioned caused animators to work 11 hour days, seven days a week for more than a year to make up for time lost uh, during the pandemic and also during just kind of like mismanagement of um, uh, the work that was mm -hmm. being uh, farmed out and done. Um, Sony producer, Spider-Man producer, Amy Pascal gave a very, glib and out of touch quote for this uh, article saying, Hey, if the story isn't right, we have to keep going until it is welcome to making a movie. Mm, now that's, great, not that's great. It's not great, but she's not wrong. Oh no. She's not wrong. Like tact is a thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but the problem here is that um, tag, which literally stands for the animation guild is a union that is, but it's not formally recognized as a union, I guess, by the studio. So it doesn't have like the bargaining power that the WGA has or SAG-AFTRA has or the DGA, Directors Guild, has. So the so there, there's no like union body that is putting protections in place for uh, conditions like this or against conditions like this for the those animators. And they're lobbying, but they just don't have the power that a fully recognized union has. And I don't know much about unions. I sometimes am barely holding on when you and I are talking about the strike here. But, um, and this is one of those situations. So I don't fully understand this. I don't know if they need more members or they just need more like pull somehow. Um, but like, yeah, like, you know, hearing Phil Lord work like that or hearing Amy, Amy Pascal talk like that, that sounds shitty and it is but also at the same time there's nothing that's telling them that they can't do this that they can't uh there's nothing against right. you know it's like airbud rules there's nothing in the rule book that says i can't make you <laughs> Jesus. That says a dog can't play basketball and there's nothing in the that says i can't make you for 11 hours for seven uh, days a week you know so, what i mean so for anyone who didn't listen to our secret invasion recap that we just did uh, within the last running 10 minutes, we've had an Airbud and Whose Line Is It Anyway reference. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're doing great, folks. This, We're doing great. The Secret Invasion episode is a little tangenty uh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about yep. Star Wars Rebels for a while. <laughs> we talk about you know. the Marvel, larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. If general. we have anyone that listens to us and does not expect tangents, they're probably it's the first time they're listening to us. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, a quote for a couple quotes from this article. Um, somebody said, uh, one of the animators said, the whole experience felt like one step forward, two steps back until we were forced to sprint to make up ground in the last few months. There are sequences that we started in 2021 that we just finished in May. This production has been death by a thousand paper cuts. Wow. That's, that's, that's just, you know, there's... There's a whole damning by faint praise thing. That's just damning. There's no faint praise. It's just damning. Yeah. yeah. It took two years to finish like sequences. That's yeah. insane. That's wild. And then it made me think of, I don't think that we talked about this. Uh, maybe we did on the podcast, but it was reported that this is a very slight, very light spoiler for 
across the Spider-Verse. There is so, a sequence of... So we of, we actually had this sent to us by a listener uh, on Twitter, really? Insomniac Movie Night. Uh, I just, funnily enough, I didn't realize it was in the show notes and just responded to them on Twitter. Uh, oh, wow, the Lego thing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hilarious. So straight out of uh, Insomniac Movie Night on Twitter. Thank you, Insomniac Movie Night. Yeah. Um, when, when they released the first trailer for this movie, Across the Spider-Verse, uh... Uh, maybe like a week later or two weeks later or something, um, somebody had redone the entire trailer in stop motion Lego animation. And that kind of blew up that someone had done that and turned out it was this 14 year old kid that did that. And the uh, like Phil Lord and Chris Miller producers of the cross Spider-Verse movie were so impressed by that. They hired him and there is a short Lego sequence in across the spider verse that was done by this 14 year old yeah. kid. That Preston did this Mutango. Trailer. Yes. That's super cool okay. on its own. Super cool. But then think about when did they release the first trailer <laughs> trailer to this movie? Like mm. less than a year ago? So that means that that Lego sequence maybe maybe wasn't even conceived of until they re- after they released the first trailer for this movie. So that's like when they say that they just finished shots in May that that's that is in line with yeah. that story of hiring a 14-year-old kid for a sequence in this film after after you released the first trailer for this movie. It just seems crazy. Um, well, and they're, but, they're all in that boat. Like, we were talking about Marvel, how half the time their final stuff isn't even written until they're midway through shooting. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, like, it's been a big problem. How are all these, how are all these huge budget films like going to film without a a completed script or (laughs) yeah. And yeah. And that makes me like, I guess I should read more about the, the 14 year old Lego kid thing, or if insomniac has any other data for us, I mean, info for us, let us know. But, um, like, did they see that Lego trailer and say, Oh, we have to somehow squeeze this into the movie and then make animators do the redo the scenes on either side. Or did they have a scene that wasn't working and they replaced it with a Lego thing? Like, how did it come? How did that Lego thing come on so late in the game right. and fit seamlessly into the movie? Um, and how much of a headache was that for all the other animators I, that had the scenes on either side? Apparently, it took about 150 people to do it. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, another quote regarding um, Beyond the Spider Verse, which was announced to come out on March, I think, 29th, 2024. So we're, you know, we're all excited. It was less than a year away. We'd have to, we'd have to wait um, to figure out uh, what happens at the end from the end of the cliffhanger ending of Across the Spider Verse. And uh, this anonymous animator told Vulture um, regarding the release date of, uh, across, or sorry, Beyond the Spider Verse, they said, I've heard people say, oh, they probably worked on it at the same time. There's no way that movie's coming out then. There's been progress on the pre-production side of things, but as far as the production side goes, only progress that's been made on the third one is any exploration or tests that were done before the movie was split into two parts. Everyone's been fully focused on Across the Spider-Verse and barely crossing the finish line. And now it's like, oh yeah, we have to do another one. So I guess be prepared According to this, be prepared for Beyond the Spider-Verse to be pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lines up with um, Haley Steinfeld in doing promotion for Across the Spider-Verse 
was asked if she'd already recorded anything for Beyond the Spider-Verse. She said no. Right, and which we all thought was, I, like, very confusing. I know. I was like, well, maybe they just... Because be, because I remember that initially they didn't announce two sequels. They announced just a sequel, and then they said this is going to be two. We're splitting into two parts. So I was thought... I was like, oh, maybe everything she recorded what that has just been split into the two movies so maybe right. she like doesn't think she recorded for number three but she recorded so much for number two and they you know i don't know i don't know i was giving her the benefit of the doubt but maybe not now that i'm reading this article maybe not maybe they haven't recording voices and if that's the case it's definitely not coming out in march of 2024 um and that's shitty this is this is just like you know, I loved Across Spider-Man. I think it was, I thought it was a great movie, and I don't want to take anything away from the final product, but it's kind of hard. It's just like the bloom coming off the rose a little bit for Across Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, that isn't that pyramid beautiful? But oh, it was made by tortured, enslaved people. Right. Like, oh, okay, it takes a little bit away from it. Like, oh, Across Spider-Man is a great movie, but people made it, hated doing it, right. and was you know, yeah, nobody's their hanging lives. their head on that. Like, none of the animators, exactly. at least. Yeah, exactly. So that's a bummer. And all of this, all of this, and still, you know, working 11-hour days, seven days a week, it also came out this week that there apparently are two different versions of Across the Spider-Verse in theaters right now. Yep. And the differences aren't major. There's no plot twist. It just seems like a little bit of dialogue, uh, slight dialogue changes or slight animation differences. Yeah, nothing substantive um, I, I, to the plot or anything like that. It's all just yeah. Easter eggs. Right. Yeah, just little gags or whatever. Um, but like all this specification, you're making people work for 11 hour days, seven days a week, and then you just can't, still can't make up your mind and just to the point where you release two different versions. Like what is the, I guess I don't get what the point of releasing two different versions of the movie is if they're not like consequential changes, you know? It's not Clue where they're releasing different <laughs> mo- with like three different endings. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it had a different ending, then that makes sense. But if you're just going to say like, well, the spot says this over here and he says this slightly different line over here. Why? Just pick one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I read that. And I was like, there's two different ones. And I kind of read through some of the differences. I was like, so what? Like, like is this, this isn't interesting. It just seems like a waste of people's time. I don't know. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. So, Things... uh, sorry for all you animators on Across the Spider-Verse uh, for all your hardship. You did a great job, though, because you made a great movie. But I'm very sorry that it was a terrible time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, they're they're talking about another, you know, working on the sequel to it. But, uh, you know, one thing that is probably not going to see the light of the day in production and or... Anything else? A movie we were very confused when they <laughs> announced. Yeah, uh, tell El me about Muerto. <laughs> El Muerto. Yeah. Steve, tell the people what happened with El Muerto this week. Well, it's no longer on Sony's release schedule, which <laughs> uh, I guess any longtime listeners will be, uh, you know, confident in the fact that we didn't even think it should have been on the <laughs> release schedule in the first place. Nope. So um, it is now officially off of it, and uh, I guess a couple days after that announcement was made, Bad Bunny also was removed from the project. I think he left. Or the article I read said that he left. 
That works. Um, Sony is saying I, that makes Sony sense. is saying that the the role will be recast, which I just think is a total right. lie. <laughs> I think that's like a saving face statement, and they're just gonna let everybody forget that this movie was ever gonna be made. Yeah, I'm and pretty we sure will, everything they've done no on this will go straight to a tax write off and call it a day. Yeah. Um, do you think this has anything to do with the reaction to the Craven the Hunter trailer? That came out last week. That couldn't have helped it? Couldn't have helped it. Was El Morto like, going to be one of the Sinister Six? Like, what, yeah. what was going on here? Like, we still don't know. We, uh, we can't even wrap our heads around what was happening with this movie in the first place. I mean, because we've got Venom. Yep. Venom 2. And Morbius the Living Vampire. And now, Craven coming out next month. Next month? I think it's October. I think Craven's fall. Oh, I, think Craven's I was thinking fall. it was August. Well, Let's find out. July, Steve. Okay, it's June 26th, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craven is coming out in October. You're right. Okay. 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 I was like, I got to go see another movie this summer. I'm already going to see a million movies. Were you going to actually go see Craven? Did it look bad enough that you thought you had to go see it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess there's more of a chance that I'll see it in October than me seeing it in the summer when I'm already going to a million movies. Right. So we'll have to see. But we've got Venom. We've got Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, and we've got Morbius Living Vampire. Two of those made some money. Venom made a bunch of money. Let There Be Carnage made some money. Morbius made less money considerably <laughs> less money but none of those movies were really critically well received yeah at all so you got sony putting out three spider-man non-spider-man spider-man movies and then you got the 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 trailer for craven comes out which is another non-spider-man spider-man movie most of the reaction to it is that this looks terrible and dumb and stupid. And then they remove El Muerto from the calendar. Yeah. I know they're like, hey, we made three bad movies. We're going to make a, bad, a fourth bad one. We should stop making these. We should stop throwing a ton of money into movies that people don't want. Like, are they finally learning their lesson? Is Craven going to be terrible? Is Madam Web going to be so terrible that they're just going to be the last two and cut out. the losses. Yeah. Well, I mean, I Madam Web has the most potential, I think at this point, because from what we've heard, it seems just so far out there that I think it has a better chance of, uh, catching people. Yeah. You know, in a way like Craven, like, sure. He's like a animal guy, but it's still just like a, it seems formulaic and dumb. Oh, God. Whereas Madam Web seems so strange and out there and weird and also female driven, that could catch some people in a way that, you know, Venom 3 probably won't. I forgot there was a Silk TV series too. Oh, yeah. That could be good. That could be, that good. Could be good. We've seen Sony strike lightning in a bottle a couple times. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're only animated. Um, yeah. So. I, I think did I? S I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. Did you have like? I a, don't know. I, I, had, I had nothing profound. 
Okay. I think I said this to you after we stopped recording last time because we were kind of still talking about Spider-Man after we stopped. And I said, it's if you think about it, I mean, it's obvious and it's, and it's uh, a mystery at the same time. Why Sony keeps making Spider-Man movies when most of them aren't seen as being very good, <laughs> really. Right. I mean, there's a lot that are debatable, and but there's some that are not, and they're just straight up bad. But you got like Spider, the Spider Verse movies. You got like two, the first two, Sam Raimi ones at least. People, but then, and people, you know, a lot of people love No Way Home, and people love Homecoming. But like everything else, and even No Way Home is debatable because I don't love No Way Home. Right. And I'm, I'm sure there's people out there that don't love Spider-Man 2. I'm sure there are crazy weirdo wackos out there that don't love one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. But um, everything else is highly debatable to agreed upon to be bad. Right. So I mean, even, even if, the Garfield like, trilogy, or duology was... Even, uh, even the Garfield movies. You know, yeah. decent enough. They're decent, but like there's people that love those movies there's people that hate them yeah. i think those those fall into the debatable range to me so like they might be even it's like more if you divisive. look at you look at yeah yeah but if you look at this series of like films you know i mean they they change continuities and actors and whatever right. but like you look at this spider-man series of films there's more misses than there are hits critically critically yeah. if you're looking i at mean the, it's just the fact that the sony he, spider-man universe then yes Oh, especially if you just look at the Sony ones. But I'm talking Disney all over the place. Because, like, Far From Home, I don't think is that great of a Spider-Man movie. No, it's fine. So, for me, it's... Yeah, for me, there's definitely more hits than misses. Financially, they score every time. And, obviously, that's the reason they keep making them. Because every Spider-Man movie makes a billion dollars. Morbius did not. That was the worst superhero drop ever. Yeah. Uh, 73.8% drop weekend to weekend. Um, Yikes. Unfortunately followed very closely I, in I second place by a movie both of us enjoyed the flash yeah i knew you're gonna bring that up somehow <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean you yeah. could not like wild how it's, how that no, you're right. as bad as it is i don't know you're but. right i don't understand that like we talked about in our review we talked about how this movie had a lot going against it yeah but it still is a pretty good movie well, like, I think I loved it, but and I know people don't, but like, I don't. The most people I've seen it, but I haven't seen many people being like, "This is dog shit terrible." No, most people, people are like a good number of people were in the same boat as I was, where it was like, "Okay, it was a fine popcorn movie." Yeah, like right. Uh, I probably won't rewatch. Like, if I go to, I'll rewatch it once, and it may not hold up at all. But my initial yeah, viewing, I had fun. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. I've like the most people I've seen have probably been like, yeah, it was pretty good. That's yeah. like most of what I saw. Um, but even with like, I guess I just don't know. I don't know if it's like the, the people that hate it bark the loudest or, you know, guilty dogs bark the loudest or whatever. So yeah. it's like they're creating the biggest anti word of mouth thing about it and people aren't going or just it's this was, thing, this or, was far from Morbius scale. Like it's this should insane. not be in the same conversation should, as Morbius. It really shouldn't. Yeah, it's like shocking. And right. so like Warner Brothers has to be like what conversation is James Gunn having to have on the phone right now? It's not his fault. He has nothing he had nothing to do with the Flash. At no, all. but I think part of but it like, may be you, because of that. Like 
DC has no, made this whole, sure. ho- whole hog like change in their structure and saying, yeah, we're going with gun and going with all and saffron and this whole thing moving forward. And yeah. So this movie this doesn't movie matter. That doesn't matter. And they're going to run into the same yeah. thing with Aquaman and like, yeah. Whole, I mean, I think the unfortunate, the other unfortunate casualty of this is going to be Blue Beetle, which again, from that trailer looks like a pretty good movie. And James Gunn right. has said, this is going to be the first character that, definitely sticks around for the dcu and it's not connected like literally they're saying it's not connected to anything else and if i was them that would be the first line out of everybody that's doing promotion for this move for blue beetle is it's not connected to any other thing it's not it's not connected to flash it's not connected to batman versus superman it's not connected to justice league it's not connected to wonder woman even like the ones you like it's not connected to any of them um because they can still put out a movie like the Batman that's not connected to anything and it still works, you know, and now, I mean, it's going to become its own like, you know, pocket universe thing. Right. But like, it's not necessarily the DC brand. It's just this version of the DC universe that I think people are just tired of in general. And it's because of all the mismanagement and terrible decisions that they made for years and years and years shooting themselves in the foot time after time. Right. And even when you get a good movie like the flash that, you know, controversies aside, I don't think deserves as much hate as it is getting. Right. Especially when there's movies out there like Thor, love and thunder. Um, it's just really shitty that it's like kneecapping a pretty great movie, uh, the flash, um, that it's, they're still being haunted by their past decisions. Right. Like I said last week, it's not cinema. Like we're not winning Oscars with this thing. But it's a fun movie. It's it's well worth yeah. seeing. Yeah, you I know said our, in our five review, people you it's... that listen are not going to change the change the box office yeah, no. drop. But no, <laughs> sorry, it's just like I like I don't need everyone to love the same movies that I love. Yeah. Like I don't care if someone hated this movie. Like that's fine. Like you're entitled to your opinion. I, I'm I'm not. I, I feel I'm like I went on a bit of a rant there and I'm not doing that because I want more people to like this movie. It's just stat. It's just so crazy to me that it's getting this much hate right. or like this much of a, of a drop off. It's just falling well, a, so fast. It just seems that, crazy to me. For I don't understand. It wasn't critically panned or anything and it wasn't right. You know, I don't know it if doesn't it make relies sense. too much on nostalgia and like it's hitting us right because that was our Batman Maybe. and that sort of thing. I was going to say, yeah, the nostalgia is the return of Keaton's Batman, which is one of the, you know, uh, a very acclaimed performance and series right, but of, do, fil- uh, duology do people, of films. Do any of the people younger than us, which are a lot of the people spending money at movie theaters, yeah. give two flying shits about Keaton as Batman? You know what? Maybe not. That could be it. Like for us, that hits us right in the feels. Yeah. For sure. So. And I think I talked about this personally, how I feel, but maybe the audience is the same way. I'm getting sick of like multiverse stories and I just want like a yeah. new story and I don't need you to pull the person that played the character 40 years ago back for a like, but give me a cameo. Sure. Fine. But like, I don't need like I'm done <laughs> yeah. and I worry for the M- for for my opinion of the MCU moving forward because they are still entrenched in this multiverse saga that now isn't going to end until 2027. <laughs> so if if it is if partial uh, failing of the Flash at the box office has anything to do with people being sick of multiverse stories, then the MCU is in trouble. 
unless they do yeah. massive rewrites of all their stuff. Well, I mean, um, but honestly, I think I think it's more I think it's more so that they're sick of anything connected to the Snyderverse, the DCEU, uh, Zack Snyder stuff, which pains me to say. You know, and when I said what, you know, what kind of calls James Gunn having with Dave Zasloff, I just kind of meant, you know, I feel like the pressure is now being even, you know, increasing even more on Superman legacy. Yeah. Um, and what James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to do, because if that movie comes out and doesn't do, doesn't make a billion dollars, uh, I can see Zaslav um, overreacting and just being like, OK, no, we're done. Oh, this 100%. Isn't, you know, selling DC <laughs> or something, you know, and there will be and more would, to come on Spider-Man or Spider-Man Legacy. No, different movie. Although I would like that movie. Uh, Superman Legacy sure. later. Uh, yeah, very soon, actually. Um, but anyway, yes. Um, <laughs> now that we've Sony's seen not our making El Muerto very <laughs> wide detour from Sony's El Muerto. Huge wide detail. Um, I thought there was something else I was going to say about Flash and or Blue Beetle. I don't know, I don't but know. I am intrigued by Blue Beetle. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I think as much as it, I hate saying this, I feel like... Uh, the best surefire um, thing, if they want to av- avoid any kind of people making connections to stuff that they're sick of, aka the Zack Snyder films. Yep. Um, I think your reboot has to be total. Yeah. And like even things that I love, like Peacemaker, maybe you should drop season two. Maybe you should. I hate saying this. Maybe you should not let Margot Robbie continue as Harley Quinn or um, um, uh, Octavia Spencer come back as Amanda Waller. You know, like those yeah. are like great castings and they're so great. But if people are going to be if if people don't like Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn just because the first time they saw her was in Suicide Squad, the David Ayer one, that is a terrible, mm. terrible movie. Not the Suicide Squad. Not the Suicide Squad. That's great. And not Birds of Prey. That's also great. Like if that's the connection they make with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Oh yeah, she was in that dog shit one that came out in 2017 or whatever. Um, then that's not going to work for him. That's not going to work. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. So I was like, yeah, like you said, buddy, that was a huge rant, a uh, huge you left know. turn. Um, it just you know took us a while to get there. We got there. Yeah, we got there. Um, last thing, and this is a great segue from our. Um, talking about Marvel and Disney, I mean, even though we spend a long time just talking about DC just now, into our main DC uh, section. Um, turns out, most major studios will be skipping San Diego Comic-Con 2023 this year, something that um, I'm not surprised by whatsoever. Steve, you and I have been talking about for weeks uh, in regards to the writer strike, how this is going to affect a lot of stuff, but specifically events like San Diego Comic-Con. Um, are going to be radically different. And here we are um, where the following studios will not be at San Diego Comic-Con this year. Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Netflix, HBO, Sony, and Universal have all already said that they will be sitting out um, this year. It's it's just about all of them there, Mike. (laughs) Just about all of them, with the exception of um, Paramount, Amazon, NBC, which is a network, not really a studio. And uh, DC Films. Yep. So 
The article that I and read from DC Variety films said, were only we're only including them in this list of still being there solely because they broke out Marvel from the Disney umbrella because HBO was mentioned in people skipping. Right. I I did find a specific article that mentioned DC films specifically as being on this list of kind of taking like a wait and see mm. approach, like what's going to happen with Screen Actors Guild, what's going to happen with everything. You know, like Paramount, Amazon, NBC, and DC all seem to be still on board for now, but that is going to be... Uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be. I mean, if if DC is still there, any I feel like at this point, if all these other studios have already vacated, any studio that actually goes is going to own the news cycle yeah. that week, unless Marvel just decides to drop stuff on their own, which they definitely could do, I guess. Yeah, um, do their own. You know, random. This, the Comic Con news cycle could be literally all about Mission Impossible Seven and Eight <laughs> or whatever. You know. Uh, Paramount's there or whatever. So um, we'll see. I'm sure there'll still be plenty of news that comes out of Comic-Con that we'll be talking about um, in a couple be, of weeks. Uh, Strange New World Season 3 and Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. Star Trek and Tom Cruise. Um, uh, but if DC is there at San Diego Comic-Con, what could they be possibly talking about? Well, they could possibly be talking about the casting for Superman Legacy. Uh, it's being reported that Casting for Clark Kent, Kal-El, Superman, and Lois Lane could be decided as early as next week. DC is hoping to announce this casting at San Diego Comic-Con if, as a big if, if they can keep it a secret that long. I think this is like some of the hottest, most anticipated, one of the, one of the most hottest and most anticipated announcements in Hollywood right now. So there's going to be a lot of people trying to figure this out. A lot of people leak stuff. It's all um, about the scoopers, Mike. It's all about the scoopers. It is all about the scoopers. But remember when the day that James Gunn, when they the they announced the uh, half of the slate for his DCU? Yep. And it was like a full 24 hours that he had told news outlets and not one thing leaked before like the actual time. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they've figured out a way to keep leaks from happening i hope so because w- i would love to not know until they announce it comic-con i, I would love to, them to be able to pull that off as a dc fan that would be a cool moment right um amazon what uh, are we looking for we're looking for invincible and rings of power and anything else maybe the boys um yeah could be the boys for sure yeah because i don't have anything i mean i think anything else that's on nerd related that's on amazon but no yeah Peacock, I mean, Netflix has like Stranger Things and stuff too. So Netflix oh, yeah. has plenty of stuff yeah. that they could be talking about. Sweet Tooth, Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I haven't watched Sweet Tooth yet. We got to get on that. Uh, NBC. I watched season one. Was. Yeah, I don't know what NBC would do. I think, I, th- I mean, networks are there to just be a part of the machine, you know, even well, if they don't have big announcements. Yeah, Not I mean, everyone's in Paramount- Hall H. I'm thinking like Paramount's basically CBS. So like, yeah. NBC, whatever they're dropping on Peacock type thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because what they're announcing um, at SDCC is not going to be main NBC fodder. <laughs> true, true. And it's not even really that. Like Marvel has skipped Hall H before. Marvel has skipped yeah. Comic-Con before. Um, 
And so is Warner Brothers, I believe. So is DC. So it's not uncommon for stu- but it's uncommon for this many to do so. Um, so that's what is making it weird. Yeah. Uh, but again, I would love for DC to be able to pull off um, this announcement. However, if the Screen Actors Guild is on strike, then whoever is cast as Superman and Lois will not be in attendance because they won't be able to promote anything that they're doing, which will, you know, makes it a little take tough. it, you know, lessen it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, Steve, as you and oh, you and I Jesus, talked I didn't about this, think I, about that. If SAG actually goes, then Comic Con might as well just shut down. Well, or it could just be about comics again. Well, I would love that, and you would love that, but <laughs> yeah. the masses that attend that gathering would probably, uh, it's its evolved well beyond its roots at this point. I know. Um, I feel like, yeah, this probably has, you know what, Steve? This probably has the uh, potential to be a very low-attended yeah. Comic-Con, which means nobody's like you and me could probably get tickets and a hotel room easier, easier? than normal sure yeah how many how many people do you think are buying tickets to SCCC and going to flip through long boxes I don't know but I'm thinking <laughs> maybe you and I should okay plane, plane ticket San <laughs> right. Diego like, uh, I guess we're hey, going <laughs> my buddy lives there we've got a room we're good to go oh what <laughs> yeah we're, go- we're going then we're going multiverse um, report on site at San Diego Comic Con <laughs> dude That'd be so cool. It would be far and away our highest, most listened to episode. <laughs> and then we just go right back down. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, wait, they don't report from San Diego Comic-Con all the time? Yeah. No? This isn't an every year occurrence? Oh, crap. This isn't every day? Oh. Uh, anyway, back to the Superman casting. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter is saying that uh, James Gunn is, uh, as Steve, as you and I were talking about, when we were, last time we were talking about uh, potential uh, actors for Superman and Lois, um, he's looking at pairs um, like, you know, if it's if it's Nicholas Holt as Superman, it's going to be Rachel Brosnahan as Lois. Like he's already paired off. Um, I thought you were discussing like the that. fruit at first and I was very confused. Yeah. Yeah. James Gunn talking about pairs. Yeah, it'll be a Bartlett pair for Superman. And yep, that's <laughs> the only pair I know. So Lois doesn't get a pair. Yeah. Right. Uh, some other kind of pair. <laughs> um and also they're saying that once those main two roles are cast, uh, Gunn wants to move swiftly to confirm the next like wave, including characters like Lex Luthor. Currently being rumored for Lex Luthor are both Alexander Sarsgaard and Bill Sarsgaard. Why not Stellan too? What the hell? Just make Why put, not? put the whole Throw family in there. Um, I also, I guess we should say that take this all with a grain of salt because as we reported last week, James Gunn appeared on... Um, Michael Rosenbaum's podcast and said that there are names out there that are being rumored as being in the ta- in in talks or you know in the running that is just completely false. So you know, this Sarsgaard stuff could be false. Like you know Nicholas Holt may not be in the running still. Like like who who knows who knows what's real and what's not. As you know as he said a million times, don't trust anything until it comes from my mouth or Peter's mouth. So grain of salt. Uh, but James, well, something that James Gunn has confirmed on his social medias this week is that nobody has been cast yet as his DCU Batman uh, that will be in Brave and the Bold, directed by Andy Muschietti. Um, and I only put that on here because if you saw The Flash, for it might be a number of reasons why you might think you already know who the main DCU Batman is. 
because there's a few Batman in that movie, as you see in the trailer. So, um, but he has come out and said nobody's been cast yet, and it's going to be a new it's going to be a new person. So, um, I think that makes I think it's obvious. It was obvious to me if you listen to my opinion on the end of the Flash. Um, it was obvious to me that they're going to go with somebody new. Um, apparently, some people needed that to be clarified. I don't know why, but you know, here we are. Um, so that's that. That's a uh, DC stuff. Again, I thought there was something else I was going to say regarding um, the Brave and the Bold thing. Oh, yeah. the Flash bombing hard at the box office, unfortunately, as we just talked about at length. Director of the Flash, Andy Muschietti, just last week announced as the director of Batman Brave and the Bold. Steve, both you and I know if this was a Star Wars movie, Andy Muschietti would be can't. If the Flash was a spy word, if the Flash was a Star Wars movie, Andy Muschietti would be fired, <laughs> and Kathleen Kennedy would not let him uh, continue on based on previous what happened to Colin Trevorrow in Episode Nine, what happened to him and other people um, that she's worked with. Uh, it's not a Star Wars movie; it's a DCU movie. Do you think that Andy Muschietti stays on as director of Brave and the Bold? Oh, that's a good that that's a good prognostication, buddy. I know. And I, I'm not even really looking for an it's answer. Like, no, just I'm to just like trying kind of to think of how to that frame it. Possible, it's like, right? If Gunn sees that as how he wants to portray it, then I would say yes. I mean, I think true. I think at least with Gunn and Saffron, there's a vision there compared to arbitrary, like agreed. You know, gen, uh, not arbitrary, but like generic studio politics. I think at least with those two in a leading role, there's some guidance to it. And that's less going to trigger. Yeah, I I don't think James Gunn seems like the kind of guy that would be reactionary like that. Now, his boss, David Zaslav, I can't necessarily say that about. So if the order comes from Zaslav then all of a sudden James Gunn is in this position of being a, uh, you know, a, a filmmaker having to fire another filmmaker, which is yikes rough. Um, but now, I, I at would the same think time, that though guns kind of playing with house money to push back against Zaslav. True. True. Like, and hey, I think he put- will. I, I mean, I think that he would, I, he also seems like the kind of guy that would defend his choices um, and uh, and fight for what he for, for fight fights for his vision, because I think. Um, I mean, I I love the Flash, and I think Andy Muschietti did a great job with, by all accounts, scripts that they couldn't get right for years and years and years and years. Um, and he finally, out of all those pieces that came before him, was able to put a good movie together. If he has soul control from you know step one on brave and the bold then i think it'll be even less messy way less messy than the flash was um yeah the flash anyway yeah sometimes we keep coming back to the flash like sometimes i wonder if there was just too many hands in the pot or there was a smattering of too many ideas that were kind of being tossed around or whatever yeah i don't know maybe we can maybe we can go uh maybe in like a couple of weeks we can do just a flash post-mortem episode or something yeah the Flash, a look back. <laughs> a a five-week <laughs> retrospective. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, got some comics news for you. Marvel has announced a Spider-Boy ongoing series. This is a character that I was unaware of till I read Same. this article. Uh, from writer Dan Slott and artist Paco Medina. Uh, spinning out of the events of the Edge of Spider-Verse story. Um, apparently this uh, Spider-Boy is a kid named Bailey Briggs who is from a universe where uh, he, Spider-Man has a sidekick and he is Spider-Man's sidekick. Dan Slott said, Spider-Man isn't supposed to have a sidekick. That's just wrong on so many levels, and that is exactly why we're going to have so much fun with this. Both this character and his new title are going to break all the rules. Bailey Briggs is going to have over-the-top adventures in the Spider-Man corner of the Marvel Universe. He'll be facing off against a mix of both all-new villains and fan-favorite Spidey bad guys. The one thing we can promise you whenever you pick up a copy of Spider-Boy, we are going to take the weirdest and wildest swings at every single story. Our goal is to get every reader to ask two questions. What in the hell did I just read? And when is the next one coming out? Um, Steve, do you, have you read any of the Edge of Spider-Verse stuff? I have not. I've heard decent no, things about right. it, but no. Um, I barely have time to read the things that I am pulling. <laughs> that you want to pull, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I'm the same. Just We talked about recently, like, I as much as I love the Spider-Verse animated movies, um, when it comes to comics, I want Spider-Man to be just friendly neighborhood, stopping bank robbers and, you know, occasionally somebody like a Green Goblin or a Doc Ock, but I don't need him going to space and I don't need different multiverses in my Spider-Man. So I don't read the book and I was unaware that there was a Spider-Boy character. That being said, I can see this as an excuse to do just a really fun off the wall wasn't, um, kind wasn't of pitch, which a... seems like what he's talking about. Wasn't there a Spider-Boy back in that weird Marvel DC crossover thing? Yes. Yes, there was. It was, um, I just, I was reminded of it when I read either this article. Uh, yeah, this article that I uh, am citing in the rundown here. I think it was Clark Kent's childhood friend, Pete Ross, mm. that becomes Spider-Boy somehow in the uh, Marvel DC crossover. Well, this is a new one because he was made this year. April 23 oh, was his debut, apparently. This Bailey Briggs. Already has an ongoing series. Wild. Yeah. That's a oh. pretty quick turnaround. I mean, was it just that popular? Or are we going to see you know, a Spider-Boy animated series going up at Amazon? Uh, um, I wonder other how that Marvel... song would work. What? I just have the I have the '60s theme song going through my head, but oh, with sure. Spider Boy. Spider Boy. Of, Spider yep. Boy. On uh, other Marvel Comics news, there's a new Werewolf by Night one shot coming this fall. An oversized issue, oversized one shot from writer Derek Landy and artist Fran Galen. The one shot sees Jack. Um, what's the character's last name? Jack Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't I? Right, include the last name. Uh, and sees Jack Russell join forces with Monster Hunter Elsa Bloodstone, very similarly to what we see in the Disney Plus outstanding um, Halloween special, Werewolf by Night. Um, the synopsis for the book says, In the shadows of the black and white night, Jack Russell races to halt the sacrifice of a young girl at the hands of monsters. Elsa Bloodstone, in all her colorful monster hunting glory, isn't far behind. But can they put their differences aside long enough to save the day? What would such a partnership even look like? Probably like this. what we saw towards the end of uh, the one-shot show they put <laughs> yeah. together. 
Yeah. They're announcing a one shot, uh, clearly based on the success of the Halloween special and pretending that has no connection to the <laughs> Halloween special whatsoever. Like where Elsa Bloodstone and Jack Russell coexisted. Team up. Yeah. Right. Like, where else have you ever seen this kind of partnership? Well, <laughs> <laughs> in live action. And it was really, really good. Yeah. Oh, you mean in the only other time most people have ever seen or heard of either of these characters in the most <laughs> yes. high profile streaming service and the most high profile franchise that exists right now? That time. Yeah. That went cool. That's the one. Yeah. Weirdly, I was in Walgreens, Walgreens the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is weird. um no double ear infection for the kiddo so not too weird Ah, bummer Um, oh it wasn't affecting him whatsoever he was just like my ear sounds like i'm underwater i'm like okay we should get this checked out um then they found it in the other ear too we're like okay cool um but i was in there going to grab his script and they had uh the walgreens exclusive funko pops on sale for like four bucks Oh, um, yeah, because Funko Pop is rapidly losing money. Yeah. <laughs> going out of business because no one wants them anymore. Yeah. The um, it was what Jubilee Longshot and then Elsa Bloodstone. Oh, so cool. And you got all three of them? No, no. Oh, not a one. Uh, Jubilee and Longshot because, well, I had. To. Oh, nice. Cool. For four dollars, I was going to buy them. For twelve dollars, yeah, I was not going to buy them. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't get all three. You're like, well, I might as well get else. I probably should have. Yeah. Um, this week in your local comic book store, Alien 3, not the movie, just a comic book, Alien issue number three, Amazing Spider-Man 28, Bryn Moore number one, Captain America Symbol of Truth number 14, Carnage Reigns Omega number one, Daredevil and Echo, number two. Darkwing Duck, number six. Deadpool, number eight. Dungeons and Dragons, Saturday Morning Adventures, number four. Elvira in Monsterland, number two. Exorcists Never Die, number three. That is a very cool title for a book that I know nothing about. Ghost Rider, number 15. Grim Fairy Tales, number 73. Hell to Pay, number six. Local Man, number five. The Oddly Pedestrian Life of Christopher Chaos, number one. Great title for a book that, again, I know nothing about, but... Something title like that might make me pick it up. Predator number four, Eisner nominated She Hulk number 14, Silk number two, Star Wars Darth Vader Black, White, and Red number three. I did not realize I missed number two, and I'm very upset about that because I loved number one. There's Star still Wars, some Doctor- on the shelf at uh, our friendly local comic shop, Funky Town Comics friendly, and Vinyl. Friendly neighborhood Funky Town. Awesome. Uh, I will pick it up. Uh, Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 33 Star Wars The High Republic Adventures okay the list that I read said that 6, 7 and 8 are all coming out so they're officially bringing it to a close and I think they're just dumping them all early wow weird I, it's a funky one that is a funky one. Just keep putting them out weekly or you monthly or whatever so. and just finish them even when. if you just did weekly just like get them out like dumping them yeah Anyway, uh, Storm, number two, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, Lost Years, number whatever. I forgot to write down. I think it was number four. Four. Uh, Thor, yeah, four. Uh, Thor, number 35, Vampirella versus Superpowers, number two, Vanish, number eight, and X-Men, Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse, number one. Yeah. Yeah. 
You pulling any of these, Steve? Or uh, uh, lost run in lost years? In yeah. Yep. I have, have you read those already? I know you read the main. The one through or the first two. I haven't read number three yet, but uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Very awesome. good. Uh, continuation of the you know that five book arc. Um, yeah. That was phenomenal. So. I know. I got to read that someday. Yeah. I'll, you know, but I'll I'll give it to you to put on the stack at one of these points. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I don't know that any of these are my pull list necessarily. I've said the Darth Vader one. Oh, yeah. Um, that too. Because I like quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I did. Uh, I started reading uh, this comic that I kept reading good reviews of. There's only two issues out. It's um, Ram V for DC is writing a series called The Vigil. And I believe it is his own creation i do not think that yeah. these characters have existed previously i could be wrong but i think it's like he's creating just new characters in the dc universe which is cool um and it seems to be about like a black ops um super powered team nice. um it's kind of like the you know bird's eye view synopsis of it but um i really like it so far so i'd recommend that and um i, like I think how so, yeah, you, it's only two it's said... only two issues and Funky Town had both of them, so I just oh, got perfect. At the same time. So. You said Ram V, and I realized I did the like dog thing of like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, what are we paying attention to? <laughs> yeah. Um, I also finally started reading book two of uh, three book series that came out. I think it came out last year, or maybe part of this year. Superman Space Aged. Hmm. Um, it's like a kind of like retro telling of. The first one was kind of like concerned with the formation of the Justice League and Superman coming to Earth, but it also part of it took place in a flashback to, uh, you know, Pa Kent in World War Two and how it's like it takes place in the past. And so it's like historically linking the formation of the Justice League to real world events and like. Bruce Wayne in issue one, Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor are in like an arms race to create tanks to sell to the government at the Vietnam War. And the government goes with Lex instead of Bruce. And so Bruce takes all of his equipment and just becomes Batman with it. <laughs> you know, like but like linking yep. linking or, origins of these characters to historical events is, is really cool. And um, it's also uh, a very good understanding of Superman, I, I think, um, at least in book two. So nice. shout out. I think you can get a collected like I say book, but they're just like oversized issues, you know, right. one, two and three. And they're all in a collection right now that you can pick up. It's like a um, giant so. size style. Yeah. Nice hardcover. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did I bust this out at any point on the prior uh, podcasts? Uh, I don't remember if you did on the podcast or if you just told me, because I think I've seen it before. Kevin Eastman is now going to be doing a bunch of yeah. different covers for Marvel. And his first one was Daredevil, which is fitting since that's what you they... I think you might have because I remember you saying yeah. how fitting it is that it's Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you just told me off before before we recorded. I don't. Yeah, but uh, but that's I was awesome. really excited about that. Like, yeah, that it's Kevin not... Eastman. Kevin Eastman being one of the two creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, for those of you, Kevin Eastman, know, Peter Laird. So, yeah, looks like a very classic Eastman style, and apparently yeah. he's got a contract with uh, Marvel for a bunch of new covers. Which cool. is kind of crazy. It seems like there's a lot of artists that are doing that now. Um, yeah. Apparently, Scotty Young has got another uh, exclusive with them for a while. 
uh, John Tyler Christopher, who, uh, as oh. you know, I'm a huge fan of. Um, yeah. They, oh, uh, that's what I meant to grab. He did a Miles variant for the uh, Ultimate Fallout or whatever the new, um, whatever the whatever the one they're launching, the new crossover that they're launching. Uh, um, Ultimate Invasion? Yeah, it might be Ultimate Invasion. Yeah, that's the um, one that just started, I think. Yep, so... They did a Miles crossover for that. That's the negative uh, negative R variant, which is looks phenomenal. Um, nice. So they're you know, Marvel seems to be doing realizing that alternate covers seem to be pushing the product. So yeah, I feel like that kind of thing, kind of thing goes in waves, where sometimes variant covers are like all the rage, and sometimes you know I hear somebody like uh, Jeff at Cloud City previously or whatever talk about like ah. Variant covers and I can't all oh, that. Yeah, that is amazing. Show me the Miles <laughs> cover. He was just describing that. It's it's not amazing. It's ultimate. It's ultimate. Yeah, yeah. Amazing would be Peter. Yeah, I love the um, the lack of line between the background and like the yeah. parts of the costume. They're the same color. Um, which, by the way, I've been uh, when I can, I've been starting each day. By reading an issue of Stanley and Dick Steve Ditko's Spider-Man, oh, that's <laughs> so great. I got that collection. Yep. Um, and I just like read one, and then I'm done, and I you know start work. You know, uh, I should do that with uh, that Claremont collected that you gave me for the X-Men. There. Yeah, that'd be great to just take one issue and like, all right, yeah. here's my start to the day. Right, especially when a lot of my day is spent trying to write comic books. Yes. Also, <laughs> uh, I kind of look at it as like, like, you know, inspiration or whatever, but, um, that, you know, there's a thing of with Spider-Man that they do every once in a while that I love, which I didn't think happened until much, much later, like in the nineties. Cause that's when I was reading most of my Spider-Man mm-hmm. comics when like, if he's in the dark, they will just draw the red parts of his costume and leave everything else black. So all the webbing on his costume and all like the stuff that's blue in the light is black and fades into the shadow that he's in. So there's no separation between like the darkness or the shadow and the sides of his costume. Mm-hmm. And he's only, you know, you can see his gloves, parts of his arms, his head, his chest, and his boot and his legs. So you like your mind puts together where the rest of his legs are or whatever. Yep. But Steve Ditko's doing that in like issue four of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, and it's amazing. It's so cool. I was like, oh my God, they're doing that thing that I love this early on. Yep. It was already like a staple of the character from from so, so long ago. And it's just something that's continued. That's like how you draw Spider-Man in the dark. It's just great. I didn't realize it was like a rule established so early on, I guess. You know. There you go. Now you know. Yeah. It's awesome. Yep. And then there was one thing that I was writing the other day where I felt like I needed some kind of like big uh like villainous over the top you'll never get me like that kind of mm-hmm. like fist shaking kind of speech and i was like i'm gonna go open up that uh dr octopus issue and uh, <laughs> see what he's yelling at spider-man there's a whole lot of that going yep. need some information yeah, it's a good like reference point oh yeah anyway anyway tangent after tangent but we got two one shots for you tonight uh steve why don't you shout out that first one shot well, the Batman Arkham Trilogy, uh, some of you may know, uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight, uh, the three video games in the series, 
will apparently be coming to Nintendo Switch this fall, so you can take your Batman on the go. Yes. Um, I don't. These games have never been on any Nintendo thing ever. I no. believe just Xbox and uh, PlayStation. So yeah, and they, so that's cool. I mean, I mean Nintendo Switch games. finally has the graphics to be able to handle games like that. Right. So makes sense they start showing up. Yeah, a lot of fun they to play. They left out a um, lot of fun to play. Yes. But they left out, uh, I mean, it was like the bridge between the two. Arkham Origins. Arkham Origins oh, yeah. was like a prequel prequel to Arkham Asylum. It was fine, but it's nowhere near the other three games. But. Right. I don't think uh, I ever anyway, played last... City. What's that? I don't think I ever played City. I played Asylum. Oh, really? I, yeah. Oh, City was really good. Nice. The sto- like, um, Night has the biggest uh, map. Right. So city's smaller um, to get around, but like it's like more detailed and the story is really, really so worth playing, I think, for the story alone. Yes. Um, last one shot for the night. We got a release date announced for Harley Quinn season four, one of my favorite animated shows probably ever. Makes me laugh out loud every time I'm watching it. Uh, it will debut on July 27th, only on Max. And um I'm very excited. I hope that, you know, like I said about uh, season or Titans and Doom Patrol, four seasons is a lot. Uh, I hope they keep making this show. I know James Gunn has said that he likes this show, so I hope he allows them to keep making this show uh, after season four. I'm glad that we got four seasons, so I guess is what I'm saying. Four seasons and a insane Valentine's Day special. <laughs> um, uh, this article also um, reminded us that the uh, Kite Man spinoff of the Harley Quinn show is still in development. So um, definitely still putting some effort into DC animation, at least right now, currently uh, at Max. And also that the first thing that we're going to see from James Gunn's DCU is also animated. The Creature Commandos show um, is going to be the first official DCU installment. And I'm not sure when it comes out, but they're already making it. So some cool things on the horizon for DC animation uh, on HBO Max, and I'm pumped about Harley Quinn season four. I love when they announce like, you haven't heard anything about a show or a movie, and then the announcement's like, bam, it's coming out next month. I got you. They're like, oh, sweet. There's an announcement. I can be excited, and I don't even have to wait two, like, some, you know, sometimes you get a teaser for a movie, like a year, two years yeah. before it comes out, like, oh, come on. Like that Wolverine game trailer oh, we're, yeah. we were talking about yep. that we both love so much, and it's like, can we get something else we get a detail about this game i think, I think as soon as years. as soon as spider-man 2 comes out they're immediately going to follow it up like yeah november we will see a f- trailer for wolverine yeah it'd be cool if there was like a uh some kind of hint in the spider-man game hmm? about yeah. wolverine or something not that he would be in it but be cool no it's uh, uh i do have a uh last minute um one shot for you too uh, Ooh, we've hit me. We've alluded to it many, many times, but I believe this week was the first time it was actually spoken that uh, Ahsoka will officially be season five of Rebels per Dave Filoni. Oh, yes. Yes. So, Confirmed by Dave Filoni himself. You know, obvious to you and me, Steve, obvious to anyone that has seen the first four seasons. Um, from that trailer alone made it pretty clear. Yep. This is where this is where we're going. Is where we're going. Um, that's exciting. Oh, yeah. I also read something about uh, Rosario Dawson 
playing coy about whether or not Hayden Christensen appears as Anakin in Ahsoka, assumedly as a Force ghost. Now, I remember thinking that was like, I thought that was confirmed, but apparently thought, it was never actually confirmed. I thought confirmed Hayden was, was confirmed. I don't know whether it was confirmed that he was as Anakin or Vader. I thought he was too, but this new thing that I read seemed, was talking about it as if it was not, huh. you know, nobody knew at all. And she was like, oh, it would be, wouldn't that be cool? But, you know, uh, playing coy, but. Well, that's weird. Anyway, I'm assuming he's going to be in it. Yeah. Otherwise, she wouldn't have to play coy. She would just say no. He's not. He's not. It. Yeah. That sounds about uh, right. Yeah. I'm sure. My guess is that it'll be Force Ghost Anakin. Well, if you have any theories on how and why Hayden Christensen will appear in Rebels or Ahsoka, as it may be, uh, feel free to let us know on the socials at uh, yeah. the Multiverse Report, Multiverse Report, or Multiverse RPT on the dying platform that is Twitter. Um, beyond that get a hold of us the multiverse support at gmail.com check us out on the multiverse support.com uh leave us a review on apple Podcasts, youtube wherever you're consuming this and uh yeah that's that's about how you get a hold of us yeah that's all we got so until next time thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you in the multiverse <laughs>